Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. I come from a Pentecostal background, so you guys are going to have to talk to me today. I'll be honest with you. Like, Hallelujah. Okay, all right. I feel like I'm in the right place now. Thank you. It's a absolute privilege to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I'm usually based at the university location, so it's always great to be able to come over um, to the 11.30, and it's great to see faces I know. Every time I come back, there's new faces, so if I haven't met you before, it's nice to meet you. It's the last service, so actually, if you want to come and introduce yourself at the end, absolutely, I'd love that. That would be great as well. Um, but yeah, I count it a privilege to be in front of you guys today and to speak to you and share what I believe God is saying this morning through me. I'm just going to pray quickly. Father, I praise you, magnify your name, and I lift you up. And I just ask that whatever I speak this morning will be from your lips, Father, that your will will be done in this room this morning, that ultimately, no matter what happens today, that you will get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been on this series of When God Comes to Town. And so we're continuing on in that series. This week, I'm going to be speaking about our praise. Uh, A sound that precedes a move of God. Hallelujah. So I'm going to need you guys because whilst I'd like you to respond while I'm speaking, there's going to be a moment at the end of my speaking where I'm praying that you guys will engage with me and we're going to lift up a sound in this place to a God who deserves to be praised. Hallelujah. Is that okay? All right. So for as long as I can remember from a young age, um, I was surrounded by noise, surrounded by sound, um, culturally, family-wise. So in my family's house, Christmas, Easter, Monday, it was always noisy. It was always chaos. It was crazy. And um, even in the car, for example, when we were driving, we were the annoying car that would pull up next to you at the traffic lights and the car would be vibrating and we'd wind the windows down. We wouldn't care what you think. But the noise, it would be noisy, right? It would be loud. And so I've been just surrounded by noise and sound and praise most of my life. But there's two areas in particular where I was surrounded by consistent noise through most of my life. And the first one of those is football. I'm an Arsenal fan, for those who don't know. I just, I've just lost half the room. It's okay, I've got the mic, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but I used to go to football matches, to Arsenal matches, as I was growing up, and I was always fascinated by the sound in the stadium, the feeling. People say it all the time, it's not the same watching it at home. And so, um, but one of the things that really fascinated me more than anything was not the sound and the noise that was made after someone scored a goal or done something special. It was that sound that came before a goal was scored or when nothing was happening at all. So what would happen for those who haven't necessarily been to a football match or maybe don't watch football is someone would get the ball or something would happen on the pitch and at this point nothing necessarily is happening but you can feel that something is about to happen potentially and you'll start to feel a rumble and then people will start to come on their feet and start to shout and this noise will precede anything that comes. That's fascinating but even more fascinating than that for me personally is When your team is losing or nothing at all is happening, they call it the 12th man. There are 11 footballers on the pitch on your team. The 12th man is the supporters. It's the crowd. And basically, if you've got the right supporters, they can make the kind of noise and can support you and praise you enough that even when the chips are down, they can shift the trajectory of a match. I remember earlier this season, Arsenal playing. One of our players did something really ridiculous. They turned around to the crowd, the opposition crowd, and said something or done something to gesture and got them really mad. 
we were winning, but because you got the crowd mad, they started to make a noise that encouraged their team, and then they ended up beating us. There's this sound that precedes... <laughs> there is a sound that precedes a move sometimes. And how many of you know that sometimes when words are not enough to celebrate or in pain, that a sound, a groan, something that comes from deep down within is enough? See, the aim of today is to speak fairly quickly to you guys and then get some time for us to lift up a praise, lift up a shout that is deserving of our God. One that facilitates the pulling down of strongholds, the breaking of chains. How many of you in here have got some strongholds in your life or some stuff that you're facing right now which feels impossible, feels heavy? Show of hands, anyone in here who's got, okay, that's great. Anyone feeling bound, anyone had sickness or hurt or anything in their life that they've been praying for that has just not gone away? Anyone like that in the room right now? Yep, a few more. Is there anyone in here who has a thanks or a praise for a God who's done something for them before? Okay, all right. I'm hoping that means everyone in this room has something to raise a praise about. You see, that praise and that sound is a tool to prepare us for a move of God, for revival. See, revival in itself, in its most basic form, across history has always been associated with new songs, with worship, with hymns, with a sound. From the Azusa Street revival to the Welsh revival, even when you think about slavery and you think about Underground Railroad and the emancipation, the slaves would sing Negro spirituals and sing from the top of their voice for their freedom. Even though they hadn't even seen the freedom yet, they would sing with joy and laughter. You see, praise and worship and singing are at the very center of our faith. It's at the center of our Bible. There's a whole book dedicated to hymns and songs in the Bible. Book of Psalms, in case you didn't know that. So today we're just going to look at a couple of stories. We're going to look mainly at the book of Joshua, not because that's my name, but because it's a fantastic book and also a fantastic name. Um, and then I'll, I'll summarize a couple other stories just to give you some examples biblically in the word of the power of raising a praise. So a bit of history on Joshua at this point in the story. He had taken over from Moses as the leader of uh, the people, God's people, uh, people of Israel. And at this point, they're outside a city called Jericho, and they're getting ready to take over this city that God has promised them. And so from verse 6, it says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out, no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this, um, do this for six days. Have seven priests carrying trumpets and ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Verses 1 to 5 here, literally God is laying out the plan for Joshua and the people. He's literally telling them what they need to do, what's going to happen and what the promise is at the end of it. And this is a mirror of the Bible. The Bible is our plan. It lets us know what's happening, what's going to happen, gives us instructions, but it also lets us know what's at the end of it. How many of you know that at the end of the word we win? Hallelujah. 
I feel like some of you need to read your Bible because at the end of the word, we win. Hallelujah. (laughs) So there's a few things to note, right? So, I mean, we could stop right here, if I'm honest, because God's promises are yeah and amen. When God says something, it's going to happen. So once it's already been said and he's already given it, it's done. He's not a man that he should lie. His word does not return to him void. It is done. So I don't know who's had a promise here and hasn't seen their promise come to fruition yet. It will come to pass in Jesus' name. But a few things to note. God gives very, very clear instructions. He is very much in the detail. Anyone who tells you he is not is lying. They have not read, especially the Old Testament books like Leviticus and like the Ark, Noah's Ark. I don't know if any of you have not read like the, just the kids version, but the actual version where it says all of the measurements. God is a detail-oriented God. He has clear instructions. And one of the reasons for that that he's so specific is because in the day and age that we're in now, everything looks a little bit like Christianity. Everything looks a little bit like our faith. People look a little bit like us, a little bit not. The reality is we're called to be set apart. We're called to be different. And that's why we're given such specific instructions. You see him talk about the fighting men going first. You hear then about the the worshippers, the Levites with their instruments. Did you guys know that even without singing, just by playing your instruments skillfully, that's, that God can move in that situation, just like David and Saul. And he speaks about the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, so the Word of God basically being at the center of everything that's happening. We cannot do this without the Word. It also speaks about unity. We are called to be in one place, in one accord, together. Just like the day of Pentecost, we are called, like now in this room, to stand together in situations side by side supporting each other so that when your brother can't praise your your praise is big enough for them there is victory in your praise on the other side of that wall or situation verse 8 says when joshua had spoken to the people the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the lord went forward blowing their trumpets and the ark of the lord's covenant followed them the armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard followed the ark All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. See, verse 10 talks about not making a noise, and this is really important. There are seasons and there are times where you need to be silent, and you need to draw close to God and hear what he has to say. If you march into battle without hearing from God, I promise you now you will not have the victory. That is not the way it's supposed to be. You are supposed to seek God first and hear what he has to say. So for six days, they followed the instructions. And on the seventh day, verse 15, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. I want to be clear. This is not about emotion. It is not about me stirring you up into some kind of frenzy. If it's just about emotion, it has no power. I'm not saying that emotions are bad. We are made to be the people we are. We are emotional people, and an emotional response is natural. 
However, if God is not in your praise, there is no power. It is just a sound, a loud clanging cymbal. It's no different from the world. But how many of you know that when God is in your praise, that's when we see supernatural moves of God? Hallelujah. My Bible tells me that if my God is for me, okay, some of you read your Bible, that's good. See, the wall didn't fall down because of the noise, the actual resonance or the sound, as some people may tell you. It's because of the God in the praise that the walls fell down. Obedience caused that response. Verse 20 says, When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. 27 says, So the Lord was with Joshua. And his fame spread throughout the land. See, the product of a move of God is that his fame spreads. That is revival. That is literally it. It It's the fact that when you experience a move of God, you cannot help but share it. We are mandated to share what God is doing in our life and what God has done in our life. I'm just going to give you a quick summary of two other stories in the Bible. Just a, a couple overviews. One of them is from Second Chronicles 20, speaking about Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is, at this point, he's the leader, the king of Judah, the people of God at the time. And he followed on from King Asa, and that was some years after David. And at this point in the story, he's surrounded by three nations who are getting ready to attack him. He's outgunned, he's scared, and he seeks God. And do you know what he does? What the first thing he does? He calls for everyone to fast. It's just like Joshua. He calls for the people to draw close to God and to hear what God is saying. He then goes on to instruct his people, the people that he's leading, to worship and to praise before the battle. A prophet actually stands up and says, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. You see, before he had seen victory, before the people had seen victory, they were dancing and they were singing because they had faith to know that God was going to bring them through this situation. You see, just like the story before, there was an enemy. There was a time of drawing near into the secret place to hear from God. Then there was the promise being fulfilled. I mean, then there was praise, sorry. There was praise and worship. Then there was the promise being fulfilled. And then there was more praise. One more story for you. This is in the New Testament. Many of you may know it, may not. This is Paul and Silas in the prison. Acts 16. Again, a bit of the background on this story is they had just, um, a spirit had just been removed from a, a fortune teller and the fortune tellers were now losing money. And so they brought them into the town square to be flogged. And picking it up at 20, verse 23, it says, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to stocks. I feel like some of you right now are bound and in stocks right now and you're feeling like there's no way out of your situation. But 25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly... There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Hallelujah. See, the consistent thing throughout all of these stories 
is that there was a praise in advance. There was a praise before they saw the victory. And I believe this morning that's what God is calling us to. You see, if you're facing a situation right now that feels impossible, it is the perfect time for God to step in. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take the rest of this time and we're going to raise a sound in this place that is going to shake the chains off of our situations. That's going to break down some of those walls and those strongholds in our life. So again, I'm going to ask, is there anyone in here who's got some impossible situations, some situations that feel like they can't do it on their own strength anymore? Some walls that have been up in their life that you've just been banging your head against. Maybe some health issues, some financial issues. Maybe you're under attack or you're feeling broken, bound in a situation of addiction that you can't get out of. Maybe it's not you. Maybe you've been praying for someone else and you feel like there's no hope. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your workplace. And even if it's none of those things, I believe that you've got a reason to be thankful and joyful of what God has done for you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a moment of silence and quiet where we're going to listen to um, we're going to listen to the Father. I want you to reflect on um, I want you to reflect on what He's done for you in the past. I want you to reflect on what He's brought you through. I want you to listen out for any clear instructions that he's got for you going into this next season of your life. I want you to prepare for whatever it is that he's got coming. And after that, I've asked a couple of people who are going to pray. And once we finish praying, we're going to praise. We're going to lift up a sound. Now I'm going to put up a slide quickly before we go into that moment of silence, which shows you a few examples of next slide please of praise because some people may ask well how do we actually do this what does that actually look like right so Wendy spoke a while ago about praise and she gave these seven examples which are in the bible this is not an exhaustive list but it is a list of examples of praise that are used in the bible the truth is no one's praise need look the same we are created uniquely and it is just about your communication and your sacrifice to the father but there are some practical examples here and for anyone here who's maybe here for the first time, maybe already feeling uncomfortable about the idea of maybe standing up or raising your hands or praising, it's in many ways no different in example than a football match where you are fully behind something, you fully believe in something and you give it your all. Or maybe a protest where you fully support a cause and the euphoria rises up in you and you have no choice but to give it your all or maybe it's as simple as a child running across the room screaming their head off whether it's laughing or crying but no care about what they look like or what they feel like it's just an expression of either gratitude sorrow need just being expressed through sound and praise to the father see i didn't preach this word to you just because i read it in the bible because someone told me about this i've experienced this for myself for you for those who know or maybe don't know I am not this person that you see right now I've not always been this person not that I'm perfect or I've made it but I was a mess I was broken I my life was I've gone into detail before but considered suicide been involved in gang violence been at my lowest points 
And this same God that we're about to praise is the God who brought me out of those situations. There were times in my life where words were not enough. That a praise from deep down within or a war cry, a groan had to rise up to break some of the things that were holding me. And sometimes it wasn't just me. I would come home to my grandparents on their knees, crying out to God to save me and protect me as I left the house. So we're going to take that moment of silence now. We're just going to reflect think about God's goodness, we're going to think about what he wants to do, we're going to think about the situations that we're facing. Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you, in our distress and you will hear us and save us hallelujah fortune katie thank you jesus